Hello everyone, Krista and Hannah here with a brief message before we start the episode. We are on the third season of Keys to Music Learning and we have loved every second. Talking about audiation-based piano instruction is a passion of ours, if you couldn't tell, and we thank you for listening and keeping us going. We recently launched the Keys to Music Learning community. Similar to Patreon, this is a way to support the podcast and access bonuses, such as opportunities to attend podcast recordings and monthly meetings so you can pick our brains with your questions, share your successes, and connect with other teachers. Become a silent partner for only $3 a month or, to access the bonuses, a friend of the podcast for $5 a month. Join today at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning community. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Keys to Music Learning. I'm Hannah Mayo of Hannah Mayo Music. And I'm Krista Yadro of Music Learning Academy. Join us as we discuss common goals and challenges in the piano studio and offer research-based ideas and solutions to guide every one of your students to reach their full musical potential with audiation. Beginners, what do we do with them? Too often, students are rushed to formally learn music before the foundation of how to audiate is ready. On today's episode, Hannah is going to discuss some of her experiences with informal guidance. This is a necessary type of instruction for beginners of all ages, whether they are 4, 44, or 84. And as you're listening, be sure to write down any questions. Hannah and I will be recording a Q&A on teaching beginners of all ages later this month, and we want to hear from you. The form to submit questions will be on the show notes, and the Q&A will be released on Music Learning Academy's YouTube channel at the end of the month. Questions will be accepted through March 22nd. Okay, it's 1990. I'm six years old. It's my very first piano lesson. I learned where all the C's on the piano are, paying particular attention to this very special C called middle C. I learned what middle C looks like on the grand staff, and I learned how to play quarter notes on middle C with my right-hand thumb, then my left-hand thumb. I don't remember anything else from my very first piano (laughs) lesson, and I am so grateful for every single piano lesson I had as a child, but my piano lessons growing up and the piano lessons I have with kids now are like night and day. Mm-hmm. That first piano lesson mm-hmm, I had was what Edwin Gordon would refer to as formal instruction at the piano. But if we are to follow the language model that Krista spoke about in a recent episode, we know that children learn language informally at first through listening, then babbling, then saying individual words and so on. This happens with the language of music, too. So, if our intent is to teach music like a language and to help students learn to develop their audiation and musicianship skills naturally and as painlessly as possible, then there must be a place for a playful, informal musical guidance where we don't concern ourselves with what is correct or not correct, what sounds are good or not good, 
We only concern ourselves with providing a rich musical environment for students to help guide their musical understanding and prepare them for formal instruction and give them opportunities to engage and explore in that musical environment. I like to think of informal guidance as helping guide someone to the discovery that they are a musical being capable of making, doing, and being music. Yes, Hannah, well said. (laughs) And kids like to play. Kids love to play. Kids learn best through play, especially if there are other children to play and learn with. And that's why the preparatory books in the Music Move series are called Keyboard Games and encourage teachers to have partner or small group lessons whenever possible. Yeah, and even when we teach older beginners, we want to remember to still include that informal guidance, still include keyboard games and activities like singing, chanting, moving, and exploring the keyboard through rhythm pattern play. And I know how much you value this, Hannah, not only with your older beginners, but also your transfer students. All beginners. It's so valuable. I'm working on a webinar for teachers who want to learn more about teaching older beginners and adults with MLT principles, and it'll be out soon. Yay, and can't wait for that. And for those that may not be aware, Music Learning Academy is launching a webinar library this spring, and I'm so lucky to have Hannah on the team. Yay. So, (laughs) So, Hannah, back to informal guidance. How did you learn about informal guidance and start incorporating it in your teaching practice? It was out of necessity. Years ago, the stars aligned and I was connected with a wonderful after-school program where I taught piano lessons. And the owner and director of this school is a music enthusiast and she was a piano student all through her young life. So she wanted to offer her space for lessons. And at that time, I was young. I didn't have a regular place of my own to teach. So it was great. A few years later, they established a preschool And I became the in-house music teacher, even though I had only ever taught piano lessons with kids, maybe two at a time, maximum. And I was being hurled out of my comfort zone. And I was really on a continual search for what to do with these kids. Three things ultimately saved me. And they came in waves, but uh, the collection of them saved me. Music Play, the early childhood music curriculum by Gordon and others. Also, Gordon's book of experimental songs and chants and having informal music opportunities at the Gimmel professional development course. So every morning we would listen, move, sing and chant in different tonalities and meters. And I learned how it felt to be the student. And that was a bit of a revelation that I didn't know I needed until I experienced it. I got to observe when I was most engaged, and I could observe a very skilled MLT teacher, Jenny Fisher, leading a group of people in movement, song, and chant. And those informal musical mornings at the Gimel PDLCs, that's actually how I learned to audiate the other tonalities. And just like I discussed last week with the sequence, they were really vital for forming my listening, performing, and improvising vocabularies. Yes, it was, it's where all of my audiating started, mm-hmm. like really started. And I also found it to just be plain therapeutic. And that was very telling. And also one of the reasons that I adopted this style of music teaching. And I remember telling you all recently that I am a calmer teacher now, and I'm certain that that has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. So back to preschool. 
I go to preschool for large group music classes every week, and I have five piano students there. Let me tell you a little bit about preschool piano. Um, This place where I go is magical. It is the playground on which I've been able to grow and develop an early childhood music curriculum, and it also acts as a feeder into my own piano studio. It's what I consider a highly ideal musical situation because I meet these kids at age three or four, and they have early childhood music class once a week, and the ones that take piano have keyboard games classes. And everything is playful, informal, and fun. There's no rush. And then some of those students have gone on to be students in my independent studio, and they're the ones that I'm most amazed with. I have three students that started with me right as I was deciding to go full-on MLT, music moves, audiation, all of that in my teaching. They started very young in early childhood music and then did keyboard games A and B and are now in more formal instruction in book one. I see something in those students that is unique and special. The way they listen, the way they create, the way they interact with music activities is natural and joyful. And when they learn pieces and play something incorrectly, they often correct themselves before I even get the chance. Or they play something that might not be quote-unquote correct, but it still makes musical sense and sounds cool. They improvise vocally and at the piano as if they were born to do it. They were born to do it. We all are. (laughs) And then I have this one other student that I'm so excited about. A long time ago, she did many months of early childhood music, at least a full school year and probably more, at the preschool. And she did not take piano lessons until she was in elementary school, and it was with another teacher, and that teacher was unable to continue lessons, so they called me, and I'm so glad they did. She's eight years old now. She's only been in lessons with me since the start of the school year, so about six or seven months. And she's already got a long list of songs and pieces she plays, and she's a joy. We counted them this past Wednesday. There are 10 pieces and folk tunes in her medley, and she comes to lessons every week and plays this medley, and it just keeps growing and growing. She loves playing the piano. And I believe that those early childhood music classes gave her an excellent foundation so that even though I didn't see her for probably two, maybe even three years, that musical foundation stayed with her. She flew through keyboard games A and is about halfway through keyboard B. She often will ask to learn the duet parts of the songs or if it's a folk song, she wants to learn the melody. And my mind was blown the day she learned the melody uh, of Dance of the Penguins, which is in Phrygian tonality and uses triple meter division rhythm patterns, which are not the easiest. That one took her a bit longer to learn, but she's got it now and it's in her medley. That's amazing. Could it be? That singing songs in Phrygian tonality and chanting various chants and patterns and triple meter during her early days is the reason she can now pick up this Phrygian melody with relative ease? I like to believe yes. 
Yes, yes. The contrast provided in informal guidance is just so important for not only understanding major and minor, but also the awareness of the other tonalities. And I'm frequently blown away by the sensitivity of the students' ears that were exposed to such a rich musical environment. Yes, definitely. I could really go on for hours about the difference between students who have that rich musical experience in early childhood and those who don't. But if I had to say just one overall thing about it, I'd say there is a sense of freedom in these kids. I see far less inhibition in my young students now compared to what I remember from before. And I think that has a lot to do with piano teaching being a very right and wrong, black and white kind of a teaching scenario so often. Mm-hmm. And so be it singing or moving or improvising vocally or on the piano, playing pieces, they do it all with a sense of freedom that you just can't teach. You can certainly guide students to that, get it, informal guidance. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that that can be taught. You can't tell a student, hey, be freer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't work like that. And I personally, I also feel freer having gone through my own informal guidance. I feel like I finally understand things about music that I just never got before. And Hannah, I'm curious if you can get more specific about that. Any particular example you can point to about how it changed your understanding of music? Yes. Um, I have two right off the top. For one, I now understand that all music from the very simple folk tune to a gigantic musical composition like a Mozart or Beethoven sonata is really a series of short musical ideas. Understanding that all music can be broken down into these very manageable music ideas that are made up of patterns makes the music learning process less intimidating. And especially modern music. Modern music made more sense after keyboard games. I remember once practicing some very ultra contemporary weird sounding piece and sitting there thinking, hmm, well, that section just sounded like a long series of keyboard games. And also in keyboard games, I uh, was exposed to middle finger playing, which I had not seen before, or some call it the center finger. It revolutionized how I approach physical technique with students. In those keyboard games years, they learned to balance the hand on the middle finger and use an arm movement and play with a soft fist to get that arm uh, moving correctly. And technique with four, five, and six-year-olds stumped me for a long time. Not anymore. But it also transferred over into my own practice. And I know that other approaches use this, so it's not music moves specific, but using this method is how I started using middle finger playing. So not only do my students do it, but I practice everything with my middle finger, particularly if it's really difficult music, taking that muscle memory completely away and forcing myself to play the melody or the bass line or an inner voice, whatever it might be. Middle finger playing really tests the depths of my audiation. It's a practice step that I will keep forever. And if you're hearing about this for the first time today, do yourselves a favor and get your students playing with their center finger only. It (laughs) is so awesome. It gives them good technique. It reinforces audiation. Do it. Do it now. Do it today. (laughs) Hannah is very passionate 
about middle finger playing. I'm very passionate about a lot of things. (laughs) And that is definitely at the top of the list. And you know what? That was actually all new to me when I started using music moves. And now it just makes so much sense. And as we were talking about before about the webinar library, Scarlett Kerr is going to be adding a webinar discussing this and discussing technique with young beginners. Uh, I just can't wait for all of these webinars to be released. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So Hannah, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with informal guidance, both with your students and yourself. I know I've definitely learned the hard way that when informal guidance is skipped, students lack the foundation necessary to move forward with ease and success. And don't forget, Han and I will be recording a Q&A on teaching beginners of all ages later this month. The form to submit questions will be on the show notes at musiclearningacademy.com slash keys to music learning. And the Q&A will be released on Music Learning Academy's YouTube channel at the end of the month. Questions will be accepted through March 22nd. We look forward to seeing you next week as Krista dives deeper into informal guidance with a look at Gordon's definition and provides examples of informal guidance activities. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon.